Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 41, where we will discuss Soko, a game whose pronunciation Martin will correct me on throughout this episode. It is also known as Finnish Five Card Stud, Canadian Stud, or Scandinavian Stud, some, some easier names for Americans to pronounce. I'm your host, Sean, recording in the Northeast of the United States, along with co-host Martin joining us from Bratislava. Martin and I have a few things in common. We enjoy mixed poker games. Each of us has written a book on mixed game poker, and we also enjoy trying new beers. So you'll be hearing something about all of these topics in each episode. We'll begin by starting off today's show as we do every episode with me reviewing a beer from the United States and Martin reviewing one from Europe. So sit back, grab a beer, as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer review and subsequent discussion of mixed poker games. I'm pouring a home-brewed beer, so one I've made at home, from a recipe from Tomfoolery Brewing, which is the brewery that I previously co-owned. So since I no longer own the brewery, I just, I've taken those recipes and I just brew them on a small scale uh, here at home from time to time. Today's beer fits in very well with the holiday season. It is a beer called Vanilla Krantz. So it's basically a, if you've ever had those cookies in the blue tin, the Danish butter cookies, it's reminiscent of those cookies. So let's have a smell. Uh, getting hints of a little bit of vanilla, almond, and a touch of sweetness coming through the smell. It smells pretty amazing, by the way. Let's have a look. This beer pours mostly clear, a little bit of haze. It's homebrew, so it's not, not filtered or anything. A little, a slight, slight haze, but mostly clear with an amber color and a decent head of foam. Now for the best part, let's have a taste. I'm getting that vanilla and almond, uh, almost reminiscent of a, of a hazelnut flavor as you bring the vanilla almond together. Very similar, like I mentioned, to the, uh, to the Danish butter cookies. And there is a bit of sweetness along with this. This one turned out a little sweeter than I generally uh, like it to be, but it actually goes very nicely. And I know a lot of folks actually enjoy a beer that's a little sweeter. So nothing wrong with it, just a little sweeter than I'm used to um, for my taste. There's a medium body with the beer, a bit of a bit of a mouthfeel um, because of the sweetness that, that lingers and medium carbonation. The flavors aren't overpowering and none of the beers I make are overpowering. This one has a, actually a little more sort of, a little more vanilla flavor than I would like um, based on a small mathematical error on my part, but 
in any event, um, beautiful amount of flavoring and spice. Again, this is uh, a beer from Tom Fullery Brewing. Vanilla Krantz coming in at 4.5% ABV with holiday flavors that pair very well with dessert. I'm going to sit back and continue to enjoy this one with holiday thoughts dancing through my mind while Martin describes what beer he has for us. Okay, Sean. Um, as you said, I'm in Bratislava this week and I've picked up a Slovak craft beer from a, I think, brewery called, looks like it's like Rosnava Kaltenecka. The beer is called Yakima and it's an India pale ale. They're about the only English words that I've seen on the bottle, so I can't tell you much more that the brewer might want me to tell you. But um, just not, before I go into the beer, Bratislava itself, it's a beautiful city. And for, for people who are interested in beers, um, a lot of the bars in the old town have their own, brew their own beers. So one can have a, have a, good, a good variety of taste tests, if you like, if you're interested in beers, just by wandering around this this city and uh, walking into different pubs in in the in the uh, in the area, but anyway, back to this beer. So I've poured it out. Um, it's this is a fairly clear color. Um, carbonation's not particularly active. A little bit of carbonation there, and uh, not really a head of foam on top. That might be how I've poured it, and it, and that's kind of restricted by the glasses I have available in this apartment I've rented for the week. Um, it doesn't smell. I mean, it, it smells slightly fruity, but quite often IPAs are quite, um, quite, quite strikingly fruity. But this has got a quite mild fruity aroma. Uh, let's have a taste unmistakably an IPA. Yeah, that, that's that's a nice beer. It's um, It has flavour. It's not overpoweringly fruity, but it goes down well. Cheers, Sean. Salute, Martin. Yeah, IPA. We were, So we have the, the mixed game name today that I have trouble pronouncing. You have a, a beer that doesn't have, you know, too much that you can comprehend on it. But IPA is our universal letters, you know, a universal acronym in the beer world for India Pale Ale. And on the bottle, there are a total of six words I recognize in the English language. Three are Slovak Craft Brewery, and the other three are India Pale Ale. <laughs> and I, I, I checked with the guy who sold me the uh, bottle <laughs> that, that I pronounced the name Yakima correctly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it sounds, yeah, there's a, area in washington state i believe called yakima you know very similar uh, same spelling i believe um and there's a lot of hops grown out in that region so it's kind of interesting that you have an ipa from you know the slovak ipa and then uh, yakima and there's hops grown in yakima in the u.s that's interesting <laughs> it may, yes. may well be an, an american uh, expat that set up this brewery i don't know i don't know could be. Well, beer is the universal language. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remember that our focus here is non-hold'em poker. Specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to try different variations of poker. Whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager. We define the rules, 
the play, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. You can consider this Sean and Martin's Rules of Mixed Poker Games. Today's episode, we'll be covering a game spelled S-O-K-O. <laughs> Martin, why don't you give us the correct pronunciation and walk us through the play, deal, and rules of this game. It's simple. How can it be difficult? There are only four letters in the word. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but but what makes it tricky is that both of the letter O's in that word have an umlaut over them, um, which makes the pronunciation sucker. And I really think I've got that quite accurate. I've been speaking to a few Finnish friends and acquaintances in Bratislava this week, and with each one I've checked it out. So there we go, sucker. Um, at the end, I'll actually even mention a couple of variants of the game. But first of all, I'll go through the mechanics and the play of the basic game that I learned. I first learned this game. I heard about the game some time ago, but about two years ago in a cash game in Malta where some visiting Swedes were playing. Uh, one of them chose this game a couple of times. Um, I've played it both fixed limit and pot limit. I would recommend pot limit. Uh, I'll go into the reasons for that a bit later on. So if you play fixed limit, everyone will pay an ante and um, it's a stud game. Everyone from seat one will be dealt one card face down and one card face up. And the low card would make a bring in. But if you're pay, playing pot limit, you have a dealer button. The two players to the left of the dealer button will post blinds. There's a round of betting. Sorry, you get your cards. Starting with the person to the left of the dealer button, the dealer will again give one per, one. Each one card face down and then one card face up to each player. And the round of betting starts to the left of the big blind. It's As you said, Sean, it's a five-card stud variant. So after that first round of betting, the dealer will burn a card and then give each player who is still in the hand another face-up card. If you're playing fixed limit, it will start with seat one or the closest seat to seat one. If you're playing pot limit, it'll start to the left of the dealer button. After that, everyone now has a down card and two up cards. The person with the highest hand showing will now lead the betting when they can check or bet. After that round of betting, the dealer will burn a card, give everyone a fourth card, again face up, and again starting to the left of the dealer button if you're playing pot limit, or from the nearest seat to seat one if you're playing fixed limit. Again, the highest hand showing will lead the betting and can check or bet. After that round of betting, the final card comes out. The dealer will give a will burn another card and give each player another face-up card in the same order as previously. And the last round of betting occurs, again led by the person with the highest hand showing. Then we get to showdown. And this is where it's slightly different to five-card stud, and I think it makes it more interesting than five-card stud. Five-card stud is very, um, there's a lot of information out there to help people fold second best hands. And uh, that's the same in this game, but there's a twist to it. The normal rank of hand, ranking of hands applies with, with the exception that one pair is beaten by a four card straight. And those four cards all have to be in sequence. So for example, 
Seven, eight, nine, ten is a four card straight, but seven, eight, nine jack is not. So four card straight beats one pair. Now a four card flush beats a four card straight. And then two pairs beats any of those hands. So those two hand rankings are inserted between one pair and two pairs to pr provide two fresh kind of uh, hands that can qualify at a certain level. Quick mention now of the two variants that I referred to. One is what I was told was a Swedish variant and was also told it might not even be played anymore, but just in case it is, I'm going to include it here. In the Swedish variant, there's an extra hand ranking that's added, inserted into the into the normal ranking, and that is a four-card straight flush beats three of a kind. So a four-card straight flush, again, has to be four cards in sequence of the same suit. Uh, that's the Swedish version that may or may not still be played. And finally, I heard of a ver variant, and this one took some practice to pronounce correctly, Sukunul, which is the low variant of, of uh, Soko. Sukur. Um, and in this one, a four-card straight works against you. So, And it's a deuce to seven type low ball game. But seven, six, four, three, two is the nuts because five, four, three, two is a four-card straight. So that's Sukunul. Yeah, I think I think I've gone through the uh, the the ranking of the quite reasonably well well known game in Northern Europe at least, Sukur, and also added those two variants that I only found out about this week in here in Bratislava, talking to various French players. Any more questions? Sorry, not French. Finnish, various Finnish players. Any more questions, Sean? In the variant that we're um, talking about today, the Finnish five card stud. So it's pretty much played like played and dealt like five card stud mainly. And then the two added hands are a four card straight and a four card flush. And right. the four card flush beats the four card straight. Correct. Yes, that's right. And then you mentioned the the Swedish variant, which I can I, I obviously I'm not I'm not even going to pretend. It sounds like it's going to sound like I'm drunk if I try to pronounce that. <laughs> like the, oh, the Swedish variant is also it, it, it doesn't have its own name. It's the, it's the low variant that's got the really more difficult one to pronounce. Uh, the low the variant, yes, yeah, yes. So so does the low variant have an easy name? I, I would go with. Uh, Finish low ball five guard still or something like that. Yeah, I've made Very that up on, on the spot, but it it it, it hits the uh, it hits the spot. It makes people aware of what they're doing at least. Yeah. Yes, and I can pronounce it, which helps. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I do. I do like this. Uh, I, I actually five card stud isn't a game that I have actually talked about. We haven't um, discussed at all in any of these episodes. Um, I did discuss. Uh, seven card stud uh, some time ago in episode four, very early on. Um, I'm not a huge fan of five card stud mainly because like you mentioned, there's too much information really like one down and four up. If to me, if there was two down and three up, it would be a much more interesting game. So I do think this variant, um, this 
variant that we're talking about today and these other variations with different hand rankings do add an element which to me makes the game much more interesting um, with the four cards up with all that information available. I mean, think about it, especially in a, in today's world where we're used to um, more than four cards down, right? So we're used to and hold them. And then, you know, Omaha's big now. We're getting four down in Omaha. And then we have five and six card Omaha, five card draw games where all five are down and none up. So we're, we're kind of almost used to you know, a bunch of cards down. Um, yeah. And the one card down and four up is, is just something that folks aren't used to. So adding those, those variations to me, definitely um, add an element of, uh, of excitement to it. And then just trying to remember those hand rankings because they're not sort of burned into many of our brains um, really makes up for that missing extra down card and provides more possibilities and, and more interesting gameplay. So I, I do like this version and I, I've never played it, but um, I am excited to uh, get it in the rotation somewhere, somewhere along the line. So thanks for the uh, describing the play, not only the play deal and rules, but also the pronunciation of a couple of these different games, Martin, how about, uh, how about some beginner's tips to get us started? Okay. I've probably played less than 30 hands of this game in my life. So I can't claim to be a, an expert. And the the first thing, I always like to start with the Don't Be The Mug. And this one's a really basic one. Don't Be The Mug, who continues in, in the first round of betting with two low cards, especially that are not particularly connected and especially be, be wary of the other cards that are open in the players' hands. So, I mean, that's just a very basic thing. And anybody that falls foul of that, would definitely be welcome at my table. And as I say, I don't have any detailed strategy. I did say that I would touch on why I prefer pot limit to fixed limit. And then I'm going to use the, the illustrate to illustrate that I'm going to actually talk about a line I took in a hand that I played. First of all, in the fixed limit variant, essentially anybody with a pair is never folding. And anyone with the highest card showing is going to represent, and basically most hands carry follow the same pattern. The person with the high card showing will raise or open the betting on the first betting round. The person with a pair will continue, and it's probably a little bit of a game of chicken. Will the person representing the hand still represent the hand all the way through the four betting rounds? And will the person with the pair continue to call down through the four betting rounds? Okay, occasionally that changes because one or the other board becomes scary and quite often it becomes scary because the person has a hand. But with the fixed limit variant of this game, it's very easy for every hand to just follow that pattern. But when you've got the pot limit variant of the game, now you can really put players to the test. And this extra, these two extra rankings of hands that you have in the game can really help we were taking aggressive lines. And I'll, I'll talk about a hand I played uh, against a Swedish guy that had called the game in, in the game in Malta when we were playing pot limit sugar. So when the cards were dealt, I was dealt the biggest up card. And I think it was a jack. And underneath, I had a queen. So I was really happy to open the betting with this. And I raised, when, when the, it was folded to me and I raised. 
And one of the blinds called, and I think he had uh, six showing. So my understanding of his range here is that he has either has a card higher than my jack and he's hoping to hit a pair, or, and the more likely explanation is that he has a pair of sixes. The next card came out and it was an ace. My card was an ace and his was random, unconnected, not particularly connected, something like a two or a three. So I continued to bet, thought he might be very likely to fold here, but he called. So that, that again, I narrow his range down. vast majority of the time, he's got a pair of sixes here. He could have a four or a five, but I think that's a very loose call if he's going for a gut shot four cards straight against two high cards showing. My next card came out low. I think it was something like a seven, and his was unconnected. It was something like an eight or a nine. I decided at this point that if I keep betting all these last two streets, it's going to go bet call, bet call. And unless I improve, he's going to show down a pair of sixes and I'm going to lose the pot. So I decided to check and call his bet. That's what happened. I checked, he bet, I called. I did this because I have an ace and a queen showing. If I catch an ace, king, queen, jack, or even ten on the next card, on the last card, I'll either have the best hand or I can represent the best hand very easily, as long as he doesn't catch an open pair. So that that, that body is important. Of course, if he catches an open pair, he has at least two pairs. If 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 my reading that he has a pair of sixes in the hole is is correct, and sure enough, my my last card was one of the cards that didn't complete my hand. It was a 10. So I've got ace, queen, 10. But it's an easy card to represent. Because if I've checked called on 4th Street, when I have no pair, but I do have those two high cards showing, ace and queen, my down card is usually either going to be a king, a jack, or a 10. So I can represent that I've either hit the pair or hit the four card straight. I mean, in this case, no, because I've got ace, queen, 10 showing, but I'm representing hitting the pair at this point. So I bet about two-thirds of part, and he folded quite quickly. His card, his last card was completely unconnected again. So th that just illustrates um, the kind of line you can take in this game that you couldn't possibly take in fixed limit. In fixed limit, if I'd have tried to take that line, he's going to make a crying hero call when I bet on the river. But because it's pot limit... I can look like I've been going for the implied odds and looking to get paid off by not betting full pot and betting two-thirds pot. And it makes it a very difficult call for him. Yeah. Do you, do you understand that? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think that's good. It's a little bit, not exactly, but it's has some similarities to, I think this is why people like Pot Limit Omaha, because they can push people off hands. I mean, you can have, the best hand in PLO, just at least this part of the game, the betting part, you can have the best hand in pot limit Omaha, but if somebody's on a big draw, a lot of folks actually on big draws will bet pot and they yeah. might only really be on a draw and they can push you off what is currently the best hand because you can actually be on an underdog. So that pot limit sort of part of it is an interesting facet to the game, as you mentioned. 
yeah, yeah. It makes it more of a poker game and not just a game of comparing cards. <laughs> yeah, and that along with the the added um, two hands, because normally, you know, if it's five card stud, right, if you don't see four to a flush or four to a straight showing, you know they can't have it. Whereas here, if there's out of your up cards, if you see three, you know, you got to watch. If you don't have at least two pair, you could be beat because of the four card straight. Their down card could make the fourth card for the straight or flush. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's, and even if they only have two up, you know, it, partway through the hand, if the third one's down, they only need one more. And it's something you really have to keep in mind that if you don't have at least two pair, you, you may end up losing the hand. And in five card stud, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have to think about that at that level. No, exactly, exactly. The, this the, the just to offer a tangent the the uh, basic five card stud game that doesn't have those extra hand rankings built in was actually very popular in the US at one point, wasn't it? In, in American poker history, because I think it was the game that was featured in the movie Cincinnati Kid with Steve McQueen. And also, I think it was the game that Nick the Greek Dandalus played in his challenge against Johnny Moss in Vegas. I think it was in the 50s or the 60s or something. So it must have been quite a popular game at one point. Uh, yes. God's God. Yeah, you are correct. And I, I hesitated earlier to mention that when I was saying about how, how I didn't care a lot for it. I was like, should I mention here now? But now you brought it up. And yeah, it, it was a very popular game and um it it's just you know now what we know and, and the different games it's, it's just interesting that it was so popular but you have to think about how early on that may have been um in time and th there you know i don't know how many other variations were available at that time but yeah it was a a quite popular game i just don't find it terribly interesting with just too much information yeah yeah but if you uh, if you have my book, I actually have sort of the history of poker. And, uh, you know, one of the very first poker games was you just got dealt five cards and bet and the best hand when there were no draws, there were no up cards. You yes. just basically got dealt five cards because the decks that were smaller um, before we came upon the 52 card deck. That's right. I read that section of your book just a few days ago on the airplane over here to on the way to Bratislava, Sean. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So, but, so this is kind of a variation on that, you know, uh, it almost flips that on its head and you can't have all five cards showing. So they almost flipped that, that game where there's no card showing almost flipped it as they flipped it as much on its head as you possibly can. And yeah, very, very popular game. And then as we know, seven card stud became extremely popular on the East coast for a long time and still is um, the, one of the most highly spread uh, mixed games on the East coast, uh, seven card stud. So I, I do like this variation of five card stud uh, though. These, variants that you described to us today and would like to uh, try my hand at them. A last little point on that Sukunul. As I say, I only heard about it this week, but there was a Finnish player at the mixed games table in the casino in Bratislava a couple of days ago, very keen to play the low, low ball variant Sukunul. And I'm wondering whether that's an indication that actually in Finland that, that variant might be becoming more popular. I don't know if that's the case or not. Interestingly enough, this is quite unusual at mixed games table, but 
uh, a couple of players refused to play that that game, so we ended up having to play a different game. I'm I'm never a fan of people refusing to play a game that someone wants to play. You know, you yeah. Did they give a reason? Game? Sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, um, to be to be honest, um, they give a reason, but I don't think it's a valid reason. You know, I don't I don't okay. know this game. I can't learn this game net right now. And uh, oh, I mean, one of them was very 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 drunk, and the other one was just uh, I don't know. Let me just say, I think we're talking about a pro that wants to protect their edges. Well, that's not right. Either way, that's not right. And like you said, then, yeah, when it comes to them picking a game, you just, you know, you start getting into this bickering war and then the game isn't fun anymore. Nobody, you know, people start leaving the table and you start yeah. just sort of tit for tat. Well, I'm not playing the game you pick now. How about that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we, we try not to. You know, we try to promote. We're promoting mixed games here, and they're usually a lot of fun. And yeah, it's you yeah. just kind of kind of deal with it for a rotation and play a game that somebody wants to play. And right, yeah. we have that rule. Right, if you can describe the game, you know, we will we'll play it. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, just one uh, one note. It was difficult to describe games because it was a very nosy noisy poker room at the time. Uh, there was a lot going on, a lot, of, a lot of cash game tables, a lot of people shouting. I don't mean angrily, I mean just, just jokingly to everybody, everybody's having a good time. So it was a party atmosphere, so it was hard uh, on quite a big poker table when you're trying to describe a game to the people at the other end of the table. It was quite hard for you to make, them, make your voice heard and quite often their first language. You know, we, we're talking probably four or five different nationalities at the table, so... Uh, and and everybody speaking English, but various levels of understanding of English and accents coming into play as well. So just to be fair, there is that aspect of perhaps it is not the ideal time to be explaining a game that people don't know because you can end up playing hands and the person understands the game to be different to what it actually is because they've... they've, yeah. they've They've heard something that they think means A and it actually means B, you know. Valid points you make, yeah. We're, you know, here uh, spending a lot of, most of my time, obviously, in the U.S., we don't come across, I mean, if, even if there are, you know, like at the at the World Series, at the WSOP, if there are, you know, folks from other countries and nationalities, you know, the, uh, everybody has some grasp of English to, to a large degree, usually, to, to be here and, or, or there's somebody who can help with the translation. So that those are valid points and something, you know, I'm just not used to running across um, being here in the U S so it wouldn't a point like that wouldn't cross my mind until I was in that situation. Um, like you just mentioned. Yeah. So fair enough. And we do like to be as fair as we can on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the table, there was, there was Finland, Estonia, Greece, Belgium, uh, Sweden, and me, so and and then and then probably a couple, there was actually two or three fins, but but it just all different kind of points of the compass as far as Europe's concerned. So understandable that it's uh, that it's a factor that that explaining the game and being understood clearly is not as straightforward as it might be in other circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So I just mentioned about fairness, but now I'm gonna. I'm going to be unfair. And so those of you listening to this podcast and those who've listened in the past know that um, 
Martin is very good at a lot of these games and has done quite well. If you follow his sub stack has done quite well in a number of different uh, poker variations uh, in 2023, taking down a lot of uh, tournaments and various formats. And so if you're ever in a dealer's choice game and this game is available, Soko, that we discussed today, call Soko on Martin. <laughs> because he was <laughs> he was lacking in strategy tips. One of the only games I think you'll ever hear described on this podcast where he was lacking. There's the call Raz on Robbie, call Soko on Martin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beware, listener! I could be set, setting you up for something here. <laughs> Good point. Yes, this is this is true. You never know. So that's my <laughs> advice, and we'll see. We may modify that in future podcast episodes. So, <laughs> all right, let's. Move on to some mixed game news. Uh, a couple of things here. One slated solely to the U.S., another one that's more a little more international because of streaming. But So I know it's wrapped up now, but Robbie Straczynski's mixed game festival that was at Resorts World in Las Vegas has wrapped up. I just want to mention that it was a big success. Unfortunately, I didn't uh, make it out to Vegas to attend, but um, a lot of the news coming out of there was that it was a huge success with several big name pros in attendance. Uh, Ellie Alezra, one of the biggest um, names, a huge mixed game aficionado and proponent. Some other names, Linda Johnson, uh, Amanda Botfeld was there for a book signing, and there were many others. Um, I believe, uh, I may get this wrong, Lupe, I think it might be Lupe Soto, um, is a big mixed game person out in Las Vegas as well. Uh, and if you want to follow Robbie, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at card player lifestyle for updates, uh, on future mixed game festivals. This, uh, he seems to be expanding this. Uh, he does have it in the U S as well as internationally. He holds these festivals. So, uh, follow Robbie for future, uh, festivals. It's fun, low stakes, uh, mixed dealer's choice mixed games to learn and uh, he did have a pizza party to start this one off he usually does have a book signing with an author there and uh, at times he gives away packages they gave away a five thousand dollar world poker tour voyage package at this last one so um, a lot of a lot of great prizes available uh, in addition to just having a good time the other sort of piece of news that's been big in the poker world in the in the poker twitter sphere is game of gold which can be found on gg poker's youtube channel um i know this is no limit hold'em but it is it is a big deal it seems to be bringing some interest back to back into poker so you know hopefully we can spin that up and not only just bring people's interest back into poker generally and no limit but uh hopefully into the mixed game arena and like i said it's more of an international news because it's streaming on gg gg's youtube but uh but it, it has been a big deal here in the u.s and uh it is an interesting show i've, I've been keeping up with the episodes and i i think they've done a great job of bringing the element of a reality show to the game of poker the main thing that i'll mention that i like about it is to be able to hear so as there's matches going on in a few of the episodes, there's heads up matches. 
ongoing. And then other teammates are sort of in the back room and they're mic'd up. The teammates are mic'd up so the, the viewing audience can hear them. And you get to hear some interesting strategy from poker pros um, seeing the whole cards and watching other pros play and other big names play those hands and listening to people like Fedor Holtz and Josh Arier and David Williams making comments on those hands being played by other pros by one another. And I think that's very fascinating, very insightful, and you can gain a lot of um, how these folks think at a high level. <clears throat> so I just want to kind of bring that up. <clears throat> that's really all I have for sort of mixed game news, news on the U.S. side. Martin, uh, what do you have for us uh, first of all, I want to just uh, expand on what you said about Game of Gold. It's actually, I think, piquing the interest of people that have not been in poker for a long time. So 15, 20 years ago, I used to sit and watch World Series of Poker broadcasts with my wife. We used to enjoy watching. There used to be No Limit Holden mostly, but you'd get the characters, there's the Negrianos, the Matasaurs, Helmuths, Brunson's, um, Marcel Lusk from Holland, Devilfish from England, and lots of other really interesting characters. Humberto Brenes from Costa Rica. Um, but gradually after that, poker became more and more about people wanting to be stoic at the table and not give anything away and wanting to play game theory optimal. So, well, people would try to suppress the character so to not give away emotions during hands just made it a much less interesting watch for somebody who's not into the scientific element of the game. So my wife became completely bored and wouldn't watch poker anymore. When I saw this game of gold come out, I said to her, look, just watch this first episode, see what you think. She's hooked now. She absolutely loves it. It's the same two-card game, but the characters are coming to the fore again. They, they, they lay the, raw, the emotions out raw in the back room when, they, when they're sweating the progress of their teammates, uh, when they're discussing strategy. It's, it's, not a science, it's not so scientific. It's kind of, there's a lot of respect for each other. Person A in Team Diamond is the best player and persons B, C and D know that and they're looking to that person for guidance and etc. But it's, it's, it's really much more interesting to somebody who's not just a poker GTO science nerd. It's much more interesting to the general public. And I think that's something that poker really needs. It needs, and it's one of the things I look for to mix games to bring in. It needs people to be uh, enticed by something that is much more appealing to a general audience, I think. Because I, I think it, if it doesn't do that, poker, poker's catchment area is going to shrink and shrink and shrink as, as people uh, don't find a pathway into it because they don't see it as something that they can enjoy. So uh, I'm, I'm fully behind Game of Gold. I'm, I'm really pleased that my wife's getting interested in the game again and uh, looking forward to teaching her some mixed games. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's one. Yeah, before you go on, I, I think that's wonderful, and that's great, a great connection that you made there with the old ESPN broadcast because I love those. I just I enjoy watching those old ESPN yeah. broadcasts much more than watching the newer 
um, streamed on Poker Go. No, nothing against Poker Go. They do a great job. I love, you know, their streaming of the World Series. I, I the, Their events in their Poker Go studio are just top notch. But those old broadcasts, like you said, it's it's the characters that we really want to see. It's what makes it. And Game of Gold did a great job of sort of with with the character, the personalities of the players. And, and that really, like you said, is um, interesting to a wide audience, even those outside of poker. Yeah, I agree. I think they've actually picked a good lineup of people as well. They've got some real, you you would think, GTO experts. You like you mentioned Fedor Holtz. There's also Jason Kuhn. When you see those people in the green room talking to their teammates, you realise that these are actually. In both their, their cases, lovely people that really got something interesting to say. And um, you won't necessarily pick that up from seeing them at the table because, like I say, they want, don't want to give anything away. They're stoic. They sit there silent. They do the stare down. That's not something interesting to watch. But all that happening in the background in this Game of Gold series, that's what makes it fascinating for people like my wife to bring them back to, back to, the, uh, back to the felt. Yeah, and I know I didn't mention Jason Kuhn or Daniel Negreanu, who were also on there because they they got eliminated so early. So I kind of, uh, obviously, no disrespect to them um, to having not mentioned them, but I just kind of actually forgot. If we can move on from Game of Gold now, I was going to mention, I don't have much in Europe at the moment, but I do know that Portomasso Casino in Malta is, and this this is not poker festival thing, this is a regular weekly stuff available to locals and people that come to Malta on holiday. Um, they're looking at revamping the offering, the poker offering from from the new year. Um, I don't know what, how it's going to end up. I'm hoping that there's going to be a weekly mixed games cash game. And I think they'll be, I think they'll continue with the sweet and special tournament that they have on a Tuesday evening. And I think they're going to have a, schedule that will offer a different mixed games tournament every Saturday, every week on on, on Saturdays from, from one week to the next, it'll be something different. Uh, that's the proposal that's being uh, talked about at the moment. It hasn't been finalised, but um, it's something to to watch out for. If, if people are in Malta or planning to visit Malta or considering visiting Malta next year, then... Um, this is something that might enhance their experience if they're a mixed games poker fan. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to confirm something when we record the next podcast. But uh, that's that's uh, that's in the pipeline. And also in the pipeline, probably by the time this podcast has been released, the 2024 stops of the festival series should all be announced. I think they're going to be announced actually in the next couple of days following the recording of this episode uh, during the current stop in Bratislava. But I'm, I'm told, and I heard this from Franka's voice, Franka's the owner of the festival series, that there will be four stops. I think it's going to be one in each quarter and uh, some interesting, I think some new and some old uh, venues will be utilised. Really don't know where. I'm hoping Malta's one, of course. So uh, that's it for news for Mixed Games Poker in Europe, Sean. 
thanks. Yeah, it's exciting as we come to the end of, of 2023. I'll go over some upcoming mixed cash game and tournaments here in the U.S. for the end of the year. But uh, as Martin kind of alluded to, as we be, get close to entering a new year, we have the excitement of you, you know 2024 festivals and series uh, returning, hopefully bigger and better, and hopefully with even more mixed game events in the mix. So as far as cash games here in the U.S., I'll quickly go over some of them that I usually go over. Uh, Mohegan Sun in Connecticut with an 816 fixed limit 08 stud eight rotation cash game that runs. And then Foxwoods in Connecticut and Borgata Casino in Atlantic City have seven card stud cash games. So you heard me mention earlier in this podcast that seven card stud is big on the East Coast. So you have Mohegan Sun with their rotation, Foxwoods, Connecticut, and Borgata in Atlantic City at a minimum. Um, moving on from just stud games out West, there's a 4-8 limit and an 8-16 mixed game that runs at Resorts World fairly regularly. Uh, South Point Casino in Las Vegas also has low stakes mixed cash games, usually 4-8, 8-16 stud games. The Orleans in Las Vegas has 4-8 limit 08 cash games as well as some other mixed tournaments, which I'll go over briefly uh, shortly here. The win in Las Vegas has some mixed cash games. If you keep an eye on uh, Bravo and Poker Atlas for what's most up to date, the apps. And then also coming back a little bit, Talking Stick in Arizona has a 2040 mixed game as well as a 4080 mixed cash game uh, that runs. So those are some mixed cash games in the U.S. As far as uh, mixed poker tournaments, we do have the World Poker Tour at the Win in Las Vegas and the WSOP at Atlantis in the Bahamas. So the WSOP, unfortunately, they, they don't have a whole lot. They do have a couple of PLO events in the Bahamas. But the WPT at Win Las Vegas has a few remaining mixed game events. They'll have... In 08, an Omaha 8 or better championship with an $1,100 buy-in December 17th at noon. And then to round out that series, uh, there's a Dealer's Choice Championship, a two-day event, $3,000 buy-in uh, on December 20th at noon. Then there is also the MGM Grand Las Vegas Winter Poker Open. That'll have there's a few PLO events remaining on that schedule through December 18th, including I found this interesting a $600 buy-in Mystery Bounty Bounty PLO with several starting flights that uh, begin on December 16th. So the, the Mystery Bounty has been a big no limit format, and this is a Mystery Bounty PLO event at the MGM Grand Las Vegas Casino for their Winter Poker Open. There's also a deep stack extravaganza poker series at the Venetian in Las Vegas with a $600 two-day Omaha 8 event beginning on December 15th. Then I'll go over, I mentioned uh, sort of the Orleans has some regular 
events. I'll just go over those. I usually kind of just say they have some mixed events, keep an eye out, but let me just quickly go over their sort of, usually they have these weekly. There's an 08 Omaha 8 or better $240 buy-in on December 18th at 4.05 PM. Again, these are um, Las Vegas times because they're Las Vegas casinos. Triple draw mix, $240 buy-in December 19th at 4.05 p.m. So these are all at 4.05 p.m. An Omaha 8 Stud 8 rotation, $240 buy-in December 20th. A Stud mix, $240 buy-in December 21st. And a Crazy Pineapple, $240 buy-in on December 23rd. One last thing. So the last one um, is the Bally's Casino in Blackhawk, Colorado has a mixed tournament. Let me pull that up here quick. We have, so it runs through December 17th. So once this podcast is released, in fact, the day that this is released, there's a limit, big O, eight or better, Seven card stud, eight or better rotation tournament Wednesday, December 13th at for $200 at 2 p.m. There's a PLO8 tournament Thursday, December 14th. Um, a double board limit Omaha event December 15th for $250. And then more interesting than all of that, the last uh, two or three events of the series, there's a horse event. On December 17th, a $400 buy-in at 1 p.m., a dealer's choice Omaha tournament. So Omaha, 08, Big O, Big O, 08 or better are the choices. Um, that's a $200 buy-in, 7 p.m., Sunday, December 17th. And then this is interesting, a Joker's Wild No mm -hmm. Limit Hold'em Turbo Tournament. I know it's no limit, but I'm not sure what the Joker's Wild version is, but um so that's all at Bally's Casino in Blackhawk, Colorado. So that's what I have, Martin. Um, what do you have for us in the European side? I'm, I'm currently at the Festival Series Bratislava. I'll tell a couple of stories about that when we get on to recent play, but nothing more that I'm aware of in Europe before the end of 2023, and I'm looking forward to everything being released or information being released about next year right now. So did you want to talk about some stories in Bratislava or? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm having a great time in Bratislava, although poker is going absolutely terrible to me, for me uh, in terms of uh, results. Um, I've played two tournaments so far. I've got absolutely nowhere in the mixed games main event, Horses, which is Horse with Switten Special, played fixed limit added into the, uh, to make it a six-game mix and, I was, to be honest, and I've given some feedback about this, and hopefully it'll be different next time. Disappointed, and so were some other players in in the uh, structure for that. It was very turboy, and for a main event with a five hundred fifty euro buy in, I don't think that's what the um, that's what the players need. We'll see whether that that anything changes about that in in later iterations of the festival. Uh, I also played the Sweet and Special tournament. Had an absolute blast playing that. In the mid-stages, I built up a really healthy stack, but then I took a huge hit, uh, built up a little bit after that, and then went card dead, 
and ended up with a real bad beat. I won't go into details. People don't want to listen to bad beat stories, but... Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't necessarily <laughs> want you to go into it, but we love bad beat stories, but that, yeah, we... It's okay. We don't want to rehash yeah, I'm, I'm, it for you. I managed to get all in with a, with a real monster hand against a... Well, I, I guess, to be fair to the opponent, his hand had potential, and, and his, I'll just say his potential was realised. And I was out of the tournament in 14th, and they were paying 10. I certainly felt like it was a tournament I could um, make some serious impact on that one, but uh, it wasn't to be. I got a lot of really nice compliments about how I play Sweet and Special, by the way. Um, but, but even the cash games had not gone well for me. And, and to be honest, having had compliments about how I play Sweet and Special, I did make a huge mess of one hand where I should have uh, repotted on the flop and not in, in the cash game and... Um, and uh, not allowed people to draw, but uh, that opportunity was presented, and I just decided to flat call to let people continue with with weaker hands, and their weaker hands became better. Uh, so, yeah, uh, results wise, it's going bad for me, but it's it's a blast. There's some fantastic characters that always come to the festival. I was having uh, dinner last night with a Danish friend who I'd not seen for a couple of years because he he was living in Malta and he's left now, Martin Ronstein. He played the pineapple, the Crazy Pineapple Tournament. And uh, during the tournament, their table decided to play the stand-up game during the tournament. And you know what happens in tournaments. Okay, so there are three people still left standing and the tournament director came over and moved two of them. So they ended up actually playing a stand-up game over three tables. Just um, crazy stuff happening. Yeah, so people having having an absolute blast. There was also a, in the crazy pineapple game uh, tournament. There were two people playing. Decided to have a, a prop bet based on the seven-two game. So if one of them wins the a hand using seven-two, he would actually get his dinner paid for by the other guy. Um, and actually, apparently, I was told that the person who won that challenge then went on to win the tournament. So that was a good day for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- these are the sort of things that can go on in poker festivals. So if listeners out there are thinking about uh, maybe taking a trip for the first time to a poker festival, have a go. Especially if you can go with a couple of friends. It helps you to join in with everybody else if you if you have friends there and uh, you, you can uh, eat much more easily from acquaintances and friendships with people if you're if you're not all on your own but yeah i'm having a great time in, in bratislava despite it costing me so far a lot more than i wanted it to at least you're having a good time yeah exactly makes me for a lot of loose play as well all this um the, when the emphasis is more on fun than than sitting there with your hoodie on your headphones on and your uh, sunglasses on and uh, that's not fun, but but this festival series is definitely the opposite of that style of poker. It's this is what we love about poker, not what we get turned off by. It's great. If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker: All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy 
for each of 23 mixed poker games, as well as other chapters on why mixed games provide a better edge than hold'em, and other things like health and wellness, um, which are important not only in life, but also in playing this game of poker. Martin, why don't you tell us about your ebook? Yeah, my ebook is called Pop Limits Vitan Special. It's also available on Amazon. It's about one specific game. It's a European version of Dromaha. Uh, it takes you right through from the very basic how to deal and play the game, what the rules are, through the starting hands, every different type of starting hand, all the odds for completing your hands, both the draw hand and the Omaha hand. It takes you through the pre-flop, flop, draw, turn and river stages. It also gives you a quiz section near the end, which can uh, question you your uh, awareness of how well you've learned how to play the different betting rounds and how to decide which cards to draw. And then there's a, there's a section at the very end which goes through a few other variations of Svit and Special or Dromaha that I had played at, at that point when I would written the book. And I'm also working on the hard copy. No ETA on that at the moment, but uh, that is in a work in progress. You can follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R, all the games. It's poker, at poker, all the games, but there's no E in poker because it's too many letters for Twitter. Or <laughs> And or subscribe at pokerchannel.substack.com. And when you see our um, on Twitter, we post these uh, episodes. And or if you go to uh, Substack and subscribe there, uh, hit the like button for us. Send a subscribe um, to pokerchannel.substack.com. And you can also follow Martin at go ahead martin okay my handle is on both twitter and substack is poker for leisure or poker for leisure p-o-k-e-r the number four l-e-i-s-u-r-e so on twitter it's poker for at poker for leisure and on substack it's poker for leisure.substack.com well that's all for episode 41 so cool five card stud finish style join us again in three weeks in 2024 for episode 42 where we will discuss matrix thank you for having joined us for another year of mixed poker games merry christmas happy holidays and happy new year to all thanks to ricky snyder for music and sound be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Yeah.